Hello again, darlings. Um, I just want to welcome everybody back. I've had a bit to do this week. I managed to get a Reddit page set up that you can find by going to Reddit and searching for Let's Get Creepy. Um, I also wanted to take a moment to remind everybody that listener support is turned on on anchor.fm. Um, if anyone does decide to support me, just know that the money that you send will be 100% spent on upgrades to my equipment for recording the podcast. Um, I also wanted to remind you guys that stories can be submitted through Facebook, Reddit, or Let's Get Creepy Podcast at yahoo.com. And look, if you don't want me to say that it was you that sent me the story, well then that's perfectly fine too. I can just post it as anonymous and that's not a problem. Just in case you're like worried about people finding out things and judging you um and on well no I've got one two three four four stories for us today and one of them is pretty long um a couple of them are pretty short so we'll see how this ends um i have a mixture of false and true stories and a true crime story kind of is he a true crime or is he a cryptid i'll let you guys judge because i can't decide But, like I said, I've got all these stories to start, and so without further ado, let's get creepy. Okay, this first story is from Valma on the Ghost Stories Reddit, and it's a response to me asking for people's unexplained experiences. And it goes something like this. Hi, I have a small one. One day, my cousin got very upset because she'd left some old shoes at the mall. She already had new ones, so we didn't see a problem. The old shoes that she'd forgotten even had a hole in them. When we got home, she lay on the couch couch, listening to music. I told my mom that I wanted to talk to her because I was sure she wanted to talk. She and I stayed alone in the living room. The living room is in front of the stairs that you have to take to get to my house. So stairs, iron fence, door, living room. Anyways, at that point, I said something to her and she rolled her eyes, but in a really, really scary way. So I said, okay. I'll pray here to make you feel better. I closed my eyes and started with Our Father, 
and when I said, God save you, Mary full of grace, there I decided to open my eyes, and I was petrified. That minute turned into an hour for me. I couldn't believe it. There was a shadow coming down the stairs and leaving the house. I remember, and it gives me goosebumps. I screamed and ran to my mom's room. I felt like I was going to pass out. I was shaking and crying. My cousin got up as if nothing had happened. My aunt went to look for her and they went to sleep. I knew that my cousin had a paranormal experience with a shadow that bothered her, but that day, I don't know what was coming down the stairs. Okay, in response to Valma's story, um, it sounds like your cousin was just in a bad mood and you happened to see a shadow person coming down the stairs. It's no big deal. No big deal. Um, also, before I start reading the next story, I wanted to say that the kids are randomly joining me in the pillow fort. They're like in and out, so if you hear background noises, I apologize so much. I'm not currently set up in my bedroom, so... Thanks for your patience and understanding. Okay, this next story is <laughs> by Piglet Midget, and it is called It, A Thing, A Shape. It, that's what we would refer to it as for the few days that my sister was willing to talk about it before she got locked that night. Before she locked that night away somewhere in her subconscious, never to broach the subject again. It was December 17th, 2017. I remember we had just celebrated my brother's 23rd birthday. I was 18. My sister was 13. My parents had decided to go to a hotel for that night, far enough away that they couldn't see the house, but close enough to come speeding back if we needed them to. But after what transpired, I couldn't bring myself to call them. Truthfully, this story isn't even mine to tell. I was only a witness. It's my sisters, we'll call her Elle, and the dogs, Milo and Sarah. Milo was a 97 pound black lab, not fat, just tall and muscular, and Sarah was a 40 pound staffy, and yes, she was little on the round side. It started at about 10 p.m. that night. My parents had left an hour earlier and Elle was watching TV with the dogs when she came pounding down the stairs yelling about there being something on the porch. So I ran downstairs and checked out the window and nothing. It was probably a shadow, I say, brushing aside her panic just to be safe. I double checked that all the doors in the windows were locked. About 20 minutes later, she comes pounding back up. It's back! It's back! But again, nothing convinced. She was probably... Oh, oh, I said that way wrong. Oops. But again, nothing. Convinced she was trying to talk to freak... You guys. Oh. Ma. Okay. Sorry. Um, where was I at? She was 
probably just trying to freak me out, and I tell her off and head back upstairs. Nothing happens for another three hours. It's about 1.30, and I decided I should probably let the dogs out one more time before I go to bed. I put Sarah out first. She never takes long. And then Milo. He's older, so he takes more time. Ten minutes later, and suddenly the dogs are going crazy. Sarah's barking and snarling at the door, and Milo is screaming as if something was ripping him apart. First thing that comes to my mind is coyotes. They're out there, and it's winter. They're hungry, and an old dog might seem like an easy meal. Why they would come to such a populated part of town, I didn't think about. All the same, I'm grabbing my dad's gun and flying down the stairs before I can stop myself, flinging open the door, preparing myself for a gruesome sight, but at last, nothing. Nothing but an obviously terrified dog who bolts inside as if the entire pack was on his trail. I tell myself, somewhat irrationally, as I try to calm everyone down, he probably slipped on some ice. He's always a big baby, and his screaming is probably what startled Sarah, or fight or flight, I guess. Elle had different ideas. It tried to grab him, I just know it, she insists. It's at this point that I finally ask, what is it? And she responds, I don't know. A shape? A thing? It's not even 10 minutes later that once again chaos erupts downstairs. Sarah's barking, Milo's crying, and Elle is screaming, It's here! It's here! I knew at that moment, yes, there's something out there. I can feel it. And there's adrenaline and fear, but at the same time, a strange sort of excitement running through my veins. This is by far the most interesting thing to ever happen to me. By this point, I've accepted that whatever it is the three of them can see, it's not human, most likely, not of this world. I didn't dare call my parents, afraid of, afraid that whatever it was, you good? You okay? Okay. You can continue. Okay. Okay. Um. I didn't dare call my parents, afraid of whatever it was could grab them. I brought Elle and the dogs upstairs, knowing that really a simple change of location wouldn't stop whatever was outside, but it seemed to put the others at ease. When my parents got home, Elle and I silently decided that the events that happened prior would be left unspoken. Our mother was an avid believer that the paranormal did not exist and would simply brush off our fears, either that or yell at us for not calling them that night. When asked about it, Elle would simply call it a thing before ignoring it altogether, acting as if it never happened. The dogs, too, seemed to have forgotten about it, and my neighbors, though acknowledging that our dog had woken them up that night, say they never experienced anything like that. So, it was up to me and me alone to share this experience and see if anyone else was out there who had ever been visited by it. Edit. I don't believe that was the end of its exploits. A few weeks after I moved out, Elle called me and told me that when she got home from school, our dad was sitting on the couch with his gun. And when she asked him, rather shakily, what he was doing, he told her he thought someone was in the house. 
A couple months after that, Sarah mysteriously died. And then they started to have a lot of things happen around the house and eventually moved out in July of 2019. My dad admitted to me that before living in that house, he didn't believe in the paranormal. But now, he does. Thank you, Piglet Midget, for letting me share this. Um, I have also experienced an it. Um, if you can't tell by how I talk, we live down south in the country. And, like, all of my siblings, except for two, live in this neighborhood. And when I was younger, I used to hang out at one of my big sister's houses a lot. And one day, it had just started to turn dusk. Like, it was almost, like, it's the point to where it's dark, but it's not all the way dark. I don't know how else to explain that. And I was riding my bike home when all of a sudden, this big black, shadow mass thing with eyes like ran into the middle of the road and I'm talking about it was almost as wide as the road itself and I was so freaking scared but there was no way for me to slam on brakes before I got to it so I just started pedaling harder uh, and it just looked at me it had these like white glowy eyes and it just watched me go by and then went back into the woods and I've never seen anything else like it ever again. Um, my parents were trying to come up with things to explain it. I think one of them was, oh, it's a cougar. It could have been a cougar or it could have been a bear. But neither of those things are common here. So to this day, I still, I still don't know what it was. And so I just call it it as well. <laughs> okay, so this next story is by Nini90, and they called it The Devil. This one's really short, but I thought it was really cool. So me and like 10 other people are sending a bottle of alcohol around. We are in the backyard of my boyfriend's house listening to music and drinking. A man I've never seen before walks towards us from an alley. He asks us what we're doing and then asks to join. He tells us he has his own bottle. Ours is almost gone so we start sending his around. He keeps reminding us to keep the brown paper bag on it as we drink. I thought that was kind of weird. So like 30 minutes go by and everyone is really wasted. He looks at us and says, Wanna see a trick? He pulls down the brown paper bag and the bottle is still freaking full. He laughs and as he walks away he says, Now you all have officially drank with the devil. Okay, I mean, how cool would that be? Honestly, I would lose my mind. Okay, okay, okay.
Okay, I don't know what happened with my last recording of this story, but I've got to do it again because for some reason you couldn't hear me, and that's not good. Um, anyways, this story is from the Creepy Encounters subreddit. Um, it was posted by the user StumbleForward. And the title of it, sorry I rubbed my nose. Also, I apologize for the sound in the background. It got so hot in here, so the air conditioner's on. And y'all are just going to have to deal. I love you guys, but you're going to have to deal. Alright, the name of this story is, Let Me Tell You About the Button Man. My name is Ben, and I live in Australia. In the southeast of Australia lies the state of Victoria. And in that state lies the high country, an extremely vast and remote expanse of alpine mountains and valleys that's largely only accessible by four-wheel drive and can take days to get in and out of. The place is popular with four-wheel drivers, um, deer hunters, and hikers. We four-wheel drive, and this was the destination chosen to go camping for for a few days with my partner, Jess, and I. Sometime away from the world, beyond the reach of mobile phones. The four-wheel drive was loaded up, lists were double-checked, vehicle maintenance was done, fuel loaded onto the roof racks, the police station closest to our destination notified of our trip. It's common for people to notify them as a safety measure, especially when not traveling in a convoy. Again, very remote. And off we went. We were headed to a place called the, it's, it, I'm going to say this wrong, I know it, the Wanangata Valley, a remote valley deep in high country, a huge amphitheater type valley with alpine mountains rising high in every direction and a river running along the valley floor. Towards the end of the first full day of driving, we made our way down to the last track for the day skirting the ridge and arriving at the valley floor as the sun dipped below the mountains. We found a secluded spot to pitch our tent, nestled in among the eucalyptus trees by the riverbank. It was midweek and off-season, so we were the only ones in the valley that we knew of. After setting up camp and having a meal by the fire as the sun went down, we snuggled together in our sleeping bags, and in short, we decided to hit the hay. At some point in the night, I woke to a loud noise. I wasn't quite sure what I heard from so brr, I wasn't quite sure what I heard, so from inside our tent I listened. Nothing. I must be going mad. No sooner had I thought it, I heard another noise. It sounded like something falling off of our table and hitting the ground. I put it down to possums or wombats fossicking about common in the area, nothing to worry about. Should have packed up after dinner, I thought, and went back to sleep. Sunrise came, and we slowly woke up. Needing to pee, I opened the tent and jumped out. Looking around, something just came over me. A chill. It wasn't the way we'd left it. Instead of seeing two chairs together by the fire where we were sitting, one of them was by the table and on the table was a loaf of bread that I swear I'd packed away again the night before. I walked over to the table to inspect 
and there was a half-eaten piece of bread sitting there, with very obvious chomp marks out, taken out of it. I flung the temp tent, I flung the tent open, and asked, "Were you up before me? Did you have some bread?" No, was her answer. Jess got up, and together we went through all of our stuff. Nothing was missing. As we went to check the four-wheel drive, I noticed footprints. There were a bunch of them around the front of the car, where the hood was. Most of the camp was covered in grass. This was one of the only few spots that was just dirt. Had someone tried to open it? Very distinct footprints, not mine or my partner's. Perhaps they'd already been there? These camping spots are used intermittently, and obviously we weren't looking at the ground when we arrived the night before with the sun setting. I don't think either of us wanted to actually admit what we were thinking, that someone had been creeping about our campsite in the night, far from civilization. You know, you know that word, civilization? Yeah, civilization. We discussed if a possum could have made the bite marks argued about if one of us had left the bread out, and eventually discussed moving on and camping somewhere else. After much deliberation, we decided to stay. I had the rifle in the four-wheel drive, which I guess gave me an overinflated sense of safety, which, in hindsight, was poor choice. At the, as the day rolled on, the sun shining, and with nothing eventful happening, I decided to walk across the valley floor, it's an open field of subalpine grassland, about 800 meters to an old ruin of an isolated homestead built by the settlers who ran cattle through the valley some 100 years ago. It's steeped in mystery. There's an old unsolved multiple murder from 1917 that always captivates, captivates people. I read the plaque, took some photos, and started wandering back, back to camp. As I neared the halfway mark back to camp, I noticed Jess walking across the field towards me. Must have gotten bored, I thought. As she approached, it was clear that she was in a panic. Immediately, she started to tell me how she went down to the river to wash the pots and pans, and as she looked up, she saw someone over on the other side of the river watching her from deep in the bush. Forest. I had no reason whatsoever not to believe her. I asked what he looked like and got told an old man, 70s or thereabouts, scraggly looking and in old tattered clothes. Apparently, the second she looked up, he turned and walked away, disappearing into the impenetrable bush. I couldn't comprehend it. How was anyone out here without a four-wheel drive or a dirt bike, and how would anyone get to that side of the bank without first crossing over from our side. There's a day's worth of damn near impossible to walk through bush on the other side just to get to where my partner saw him. We decided to jump in the four-wheel drive and drive along the length of the valley, checking the dozen or so riverside camping spots as we went. I wanted to spot a camp, have my partner ID the guy, and make sure he wasn't creeping, with our theory being that he may have been a hunter off in the bush after a deer. After making our way up and down the valley and not seeing anything, we drove back to camp at a loss to explain things. As the sun started to set, with my and with my partner and I quite shaken, I grabbed the rifle and sat it next to us as we started cooking dinner and chatted. 
having a few drinks to settle our nerves. Had we been spooked? Was it just that there's a lot of mystery surrounding the valley and the homestead murders? We talked a bit and settled in to a good foot warming in front of the fire. At some point, Jess needed to go to the toilet. I was asked to come with her to the spot behind the tree where we had placed our portable toilet, about 50 meters from camp. Considering everything that had gone on, it was a no-brainer. Jess did her business, and we turned around and came back to came around the side of the tree, and that's when we saw him, standing at our camp. About a meter from the rifle I had sitting against the table was a man. Old? Check. Scraggly looking? Check. Tattered old clothes? Check. Jess squeezed my arm so hard I thought it was going to come off. Everything about her body language, language screamed, This is the same man. As we got closer, I could make out more odd things about him. He had a part of a deer antler in his hand that looked like he'd been whittling away at it, and what looked like antler pieces carved to plug large holes in his ears, like stretchers, but made of bone. Same goes for the bone-looking buttons on his ratty old coat. He wore old leather shoes that looked homemade. Good day, mate, he said. Fuck me, mate. You gave us a fucking heart attack. I was officially shitting bri bricks. I was shitting bricks. <laughs> Where have you come from, mate? Everything all right? Just over yonder. You aren't hunting around here, are you? He, look he was looking directly at the rifle. Uh, we might be, yeah. Why? There's no hunting around here. Not enough deer as it is. Well, we hadn't decided on it. Probably packing up anyway, I said as I edged my way towards the rifle. I should put this away. I didn't mean to spook you, mate, I said, looking for an excuse to get that rifle into my hands. It's all good. Guns don't spook me, he said. I didn't imagine they would. Oh no, sticky paper. I picked up the rifle by the barrel and held it like a walking stick in an attempt to be non-confrontational, breathing a sigh of relief. No offense, but you caught us a bit by surprise. You've got to be the only one we've seen since we've been here. Yeah, I saw you come in last night. I fucking bet you did. I've been coming up here for 40 years. Beautiful spot, isn't it? It takes a get bit to get down into the valley, he hey? Yeah, mate, look. No offense, but we're gonna hit the sack soon. Do you need a lift back to your camp? No. All good. Just out for a wander before I took him for the night. Saw a fire and thought I'd say good day. Anyway, I'd better be on my way. And with that, he turned and walked off parallel to the river into the dark with no torch. That was officially enough to spook us beyond the ability to calm down and we decided to pack up in the dark and head out, even if driving in the dark was a monumentally stupid idea in this part of the high country. We got into the four-wheel drive and drove out. Taking us along the valley floor, we didn't see a single fire, a camp, a vehicle, nothing. We kept driving. Halfway home, Jess 
Board from the drive flipped out, flipped on the camera. There was no memory card. What the fuck? After getting home and telling a few people what happened, a friend's dad, an avid bushman himself, was the only one to officially freak us the hell out. Oh, you met the button man. The what now? I said. The button man. He's an old bushman that goes out into the high country for months at a time, hunts with a spear, appears out of nowhere, scares people, has buttons made of bones. There's a heap of people gone missing up that way. The cops keep looking, but can't find a single trace. Campers, hikers, one camp was found burnt to the ground and the car left abandoned. They can't find any evidence at all. A quick Google confirmed it. The missing people, the button man, the lack of evidence. Police set out into the bush and found his camp, spoke with the man, but have nothing else to go on. The following link has some further information on the missing people and the mysterious button man. He's very real. Dozens have met him as he appears out of nowhere at their camp, but as for his connection to the missing people, only he knows. We don't camp that valley anymore. Hell, we don't camp that side of high country anymore. Anyway, that's our story of how we met the button man. And I'll post the link that they shared in this story in the episode descriptions. Um, I'm also going to post links for all of the different places that can be submitted. I will share the link for Reddit. Um, remember, like I said, stories can be submitted anonymously through... Um, I think I would use the email, the Let's Get Creepy podcast email. It's literally Let's Get Creepy podcast at yahoo.com. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I want to say to you guys. But can you imagine, can you imagine being camping and having some random ass person coming into your camp and fucking with you? No, uh-uh, no. I'd have lost my freaking mind that first day when he saw the footprints. Nope. I'd have noped out of there so fast. Anyways, that's, I think that's all. That's all for today. And I will talk at you guys again next Friday. Um, remember, my friends, stay creepy.